Hi, everyone, and welcome to our weekly governance update from VLGA Connect. Each week, I'm joined by Stephen Cooper to talk about all the news that's fit to talk about from the world of governance. I don't know if there's anything going on, though, Stephen. Do we even need to do one this week? Oh, Chris, I'm glad we've sorted out the things that aren't fit to talk about, but no, good to talk. <laughs> Uh, no, good as always. And uh, we ha we've had um, an interesting week with a terrific panel this week for the VLGA and LG Pro on the circular economy. And we have more in store in the next few weeks, just to give people something else to think about while this uh, council election's going on in the background. Chris, I was, um, that was a fantastic discussion and I believe will be available uh, shortly, if not already, on the VLGA website around um, designing in of our materials and processes to maximise reuse, minimise waste, and ultimately build a more sustainable economy. It was a fabulous panel, and congratulations. Let's talk about the next one before we touch base on what's happening in the election, because the Excellent. next one I'm particularly excited about. But Chris, before we go to the next one, I just want to put in a little plug. One of the yeah. things I was really struck by in the attendance sheet of that um, circular economy discussion was the number of um, staff involved in procurement who were there and a really important element of um, all our purchasing is not just to have a strategic intent, but to do it in a way that's lawful, legal, fair to all suppliers. Um, we've received some correspondence this week from a government agency around advancing the education and skills of procurement at the VLGA, yeah. and a letter will be going to CEOs to ask for participation and thinking through what the skill set is for procurement staff, the ideal skill set. So please... Um, CEOs and council staff, when you see that document, um, all props to you for um, completing it because it's a really important topic. Absolutely. And as you say, an important skill set too. Um, thanks for, for telling me about that. Um, just remind me with the Local Government Act 2020 implementation, there are some changes around the procurement policy requirements and timelines. Am I right? Oh, Chris, that's one of those questions without notice. Um, there are some requirements around updating. We've already got a requirement for procurement policies to be reviewed annually. Um, I would think from a risk perspective, it would be wise of any incoming councils, particularly um, when you're looking at delegations to have regard to procurement, um, procurement risks. Um, and that yes. compliance risk is one of them. Yeah, important topic, something where perhaps we can we can come back to. Let's get on to the campaign. So it's on uh, pretty pretty significantly, of course, with uh, one week left before you need to get your, as of recording this, your ballot packs back in the mail. I note that today, our recording date, the 16th of October, is the day whereby the VEC said, if you haven't got your ballot pack yet, wait till the 16th, but if you haven't got it by the 16th, that's when you should be... Uh, contacting the election office or the election manager. So we're getting pretty close. Absolutely. So yes, um, there's been a few people a bit nervous already that ballot packs haven't been received, but you're quite right, Chris, today is the day beyond which anyone without a ballot pack should be contacting the VEC. And so, you both, uh, I presume? I was just going to ask you that very question, uh, Stephen. I saw your ballot pack in your hand last week. Yes, uh, as promised, I did it that day, popped it back in the mail, so it's long gone. And I'm sure um, most people have probably dealt with it pretty quickly. So 
Um, it's a real trend, I think, um, all elections around the world at the moment, not looking at any uh, large election uh, in particular, where um, early voting really has become the thing. And I think the ACT election I was hearing this morning, for example, they're expecting something like 70% of all votes to be cast as early votes. Well, I think early attendance voting in previous times at federal and state elections has been... Um, increasing and I, I suspect you're right Chris there's two sorts of people in the world there's those that get their ballot packs and deal with them straight away and those who put them to one side and hopefully um, deal with them at the last minute um, we had a bit of news at our place subsequent to um, our discussion last week um, as a result of me being uh, the nominee for a corporate entity uh, managed to receive a ballot pack also for a council whose initials the city of Melbourne and you might recall there's 59 candidates, Chris, and I did want to vote for a particular candidate, but I didn't want to follow the ticket. And I was mightily relieved when the last square was the number 59. Um, so that's a challenge for some people, as we were talking about last week, when you've got a lot of candidates to either go for the above the line option if that's available, but also to make sure that every square is numbered. That's very, very conscientious of you, Stephen, to do below the line. I'd love to know the, the statistics on how many people bothered to do that, actually. I suspect, though, that when they're opened up the VEC, just look and go, oh, no, another one. But anyway, <laughs> it's the democratic <laughs> and, right, Chris. And, of course, you've got two ballot papers for City Melbourne, haven't you? Because you would have had the mural ticket as well. Uh, eight, am I right? Are there eight, eight mm, tickets on that? Or? Something, there was a number like that. If it wasn't 10, it wasn't far off it. Yeah. All right. Um, so now we'll get back to the panel that's coming up that I'm a little bit excited about because we're going to spend some time uh, a couple of Wednesdays from now talking about the role of the mayor. It's more than just a title and the timing of this is deliberate because it's around that period where um, councillors will be starting to, or incoming councillors will be starting to get a, a sense of whether they're likely to be elected or not, perhaps. Um, and thinking about, you know, who's going to be installed as mayor. So we wanted to talk about the role. It is, it is as, the, as the name says, more than just a title. Um, and think about, um, you know, who's best placed to lead the council and what do you expect from or should you expect from a mayor, particularly in the first, term, uh, first year of a new term? I think that's, um, and that's right, Chris, and we're all um, really excited about it, A, because it's such an important topic and, good for incoming and existing councillors to think through the job description. And there have been changes in the Local Government Act. So as we've talked about before, the role of the Mayor has been beefed up to um, have greater responsibility for conduct and the, you know, the relationship between the, the group of councillors that it's maintained in accordance with the COVID Code of Conduct. Um, also the leading the reporting back or the development and reporting back of the council plan, so a more strategic role. So there is that job description of mayor and it's not for everyone. So if, if a new council can be as informed as possible and they have a month from the, uh, from the date of the election to actually make that decision, um, then hopefully this will be of, um, of some use in that process. And on our panel, we have uh, Nolan Duff, who is the Chair of Administrators at uh, the city of Casey and a former long-term CEO uh, at the city of Whitehorse primarily. Um, Peter Stevenson, a former mayor and municipal monitor. Uh, Judy Verlin, former mayor at the city of Ballarat. And you're gonna to have to help me with, with, we've got a legal person as well on our panel. 
Uh, we've got Melissa Scadden from Justicia, uh, who are a law firm who really specialise in relationship management, um, including conduct of mediations when things go a little bit off the rails. So expecting to get some um, really good tips for incoming mayors and councillors around how to have um, you know, effective communication that really prevents the escalation of conflict. Do you think this is one that governance people, CEOs, even directors and councils should be part of the discussion as well? Absolutely, Chris. I think what's often understated is the role of the executive and the governance team in helping the council to have constructive conflict. I mean, one of the things that's often understated too is every organisation needs conflict and tension at a at an appropriate level to enable it to proceed. It is unhealthy to have an absence of conflict. We've talked before about Lencioni's um, um, characteristics of effective teams, and the first one is to be able to manage your conflict effectively. So mm. council staff certainly play a role in that. Um, you've reminded me too, though, Chris, that, um, of course, this is um, uh, free for um, LG Pro members and VLGA members, um, that would extend to candidates at councils who are VLGA members. So any, and I know I've spoken to a couple of candidates during the week who are excited about a, the prospect of being elected and that if they are, have said, oh, this will be a really useful piece of information because, um, you know, one of the early decisions for the council, who's going to be there? Yes, absolutely. All right, so that's coming up on the 28th. Uh, you can register now. I'm expecting it to uh, to have a high level of interest. So um, I'm not sure we've ever got to a point of needing to close off to manage numbers, but this could potentially be one. So get in early. I, I hope so, Chris. And that panel you've mentioned before, that is a cracking panel of real experts with um, dirt under their fingernails, I suppose you could say, Chris, people who are absolutely alert to the dynamics of the role of mayor. Now, speaking of dirt under the fingernails, before I let you go, a bit of bit of dirt around on social media for this uh, campaign that we should just touch on very briefly. You've made some observations about the tone of or some of the behaviour that's happening out there, which is disappointing to see. Yeah, and I know um, uh, one of the Melbourne newspapers in particular has had an interest in this in the last few days of, you know, the conduct, um, the fact that, of course, this is um, the first real Facebook election, if you like, Chris, and that's brought about certain behaviours and people thinking that not labelling some of the behaviours as bullying. Um, and we've also seen reports over the last week of the debasing of posters. And, you know, people that do that sort of thing would probably be wise to have a look at Section 300 and 301 of the Local Government Act because, you know, and even if it's not in the Act, it, it's about local democracy and local democracy should be civil. So... Um, uh, the inspectorate have obviously had a lot of complaints and they will take their course as the election plays out. Some will fizzle out. Some might find their way into electoral tribunals, I suppose, Chris. Indeed. All right. On that note, we might leave it there, Stephen. Thank you. Great to talk as always. Next week when we speak, I'm not sure if we're going to record on the, uh, on the uh, AFL holiday. We might take Ooh. some time out to do that because I'm sure people will be still looking for your weekly insights. Uh, so have a good week. <laughs> well, Chris, we'll... neither of our teams are going to be troubling the AFL grand final, so there's no true. reason why we can't, I suppose. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> yeah. Very true, though. Thank you, Stephen. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, Chris.
Stephen Cooper with us for the governance update, as always, on VLGO Connect. <laughs>